a blessing it is to be here. Um, we'll open up our Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 8. What I thought we'd do tonight is just look a little bit about what happened to the church here in Acts chapter 8 and um, maybe find a few things for ourselves in this current time that we're living now. So you've heard a few times, maybe also from the platform, that this has been a very different year um, for obvious reasons. And um, I've heard it said in the media a few times that year 2020 is a year that people will just like to forget. And uh, tomorrow, start of the new year, sort of thinking that, well, it'll all be over. And... Um, I don't think we have any guarantees that um, the coming year um, will definitely be better than this year. And um, we don't know what's around the corner, and we didn't know this time last year uh, where we'd find ourselves now. So um, I'm not too sure. It could be better for us next year. It could be better situation overall. But there's no guarantees it won't be worse. I mean, there's a possibility that things can get worse than what they are now. It's just hard to um, sort of try and predict. And I thought the reason why we'd look at Acts chapter 8 is because this was probably um, a time which could have been very unsettling for the church. Many things changed um, in the church in Jerusalem there. Uh, in this chapter and I thought that it's good to look at this now because you know our circumstances have changed uh, with COVID and we don't know if we will be facing even more changes you know in the year to come or, or the times to come so I thought it'd be a good idea to have a look at how they reacted to having everything around them, all the circumstances around them change. So we'll read from verse 1 to 4 and says, you know, this is the time of the persecution and Saul was consenting unto his death. That's in the previous chapter. Um, and, uh, and at the time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And... I'm sort of trying to picture a little bit, you know, most of the saints here left Jerusalem. There's only the apostles that remained there. So the vast majority of the church, as it was at the time, actually were dispersed. And I'm not too sure on all the details, but I could imagine maybe some of the people that were dispersed here might have come up to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost from these other lands. And maybe they'd hang around because... Things were going so well, they found this new church or this new gospel and um, people were coming, getting baptised. I'm not too sure. Maybe they returned back to their homes at this time. Um, I don't know. There could have been people like that there. But I'm definitely sure there would have been people probably who lived at Jerusalem and when this event took place, they actually became... Um, What's the word for it? Um, they became displaced, displaced persons. You know, they had to travel to another, another land or another town which they weren't familiar with. And when that happens, people who've migrated to Australia uh, or you know, anybody who's had this experience, 
uh, knows it can be very unsettling, you know, to be in a different land and uh, not speak the language. Um, yeah, I heard a funny story today, by the way. It was, um, brother, what's this, Talenka? Yeah, we Latka, yes, today. And she said when they arrived to Australia, they didn't speak much English. And um, um, the mother, they had seven of them, and they were going to get an airline ticket from Sydney to Adelaide. And the, the person asked them, um, do you want to go to Adelaide uh, uh, today? And she says, no, I want to go there to live. And, you know, when people arrive to this country and uh, they got all, there was all sorts of stories like that, um, you know, where you don't even speak the language and you do feel unsettled. And I think what would normally, I'm thinking these people, when they, when they fled, because obviously, you know, they feared for their lives and they decided it's not good for us to stay in Jerusalem, which probably you think is not a very heroic thing, but they, they fled for their lives out of Jerusalem. And... I don't know if any of them would have been thinking, maybe this is the end of the church. Maybe, you know, now we're having to run. Um, this newfound thing that we've found now, maybe it will just end. I mean, I'm trying to put myself in the place of these people. It's very difficult, of course, because I've only got these few words on a piece of paper to try and imagine maybe what, they, what their thinking was. So... Um, the, the, the whole, the point I'm trying to get to is everything around them changed. The whole church as it operated was gone for them. And even the people who were running the church, the apostles, weren't by their side anymore. I mean, they would have had until this time, you know, some sort of, you know, agreement or, or some sort of, you know, times to meet and, and, you know, fellowship and all the things that we enjoy, you know, up until COVID. <laughs> sort of hit us, and then all of a sudden it's all gone for most of them. And they might even be in a foreign place in a, you know, or in a land they're not familiar with or a town they didn't grow up in. And you would think that in such circumstances maybe it's so unsettling that um, they sort of pull back and while they're wondering, you know, they sort of get a bit phased and they sort of think, well, what now? The beautiful part of the story, most of us will know, that uh, it didn't end, end in that way. Um, even though they lost their security, things actually turned out to be quite good here. And um, just read from verse 2, it says, And devout men carried Stephen, that's who was stoned, of course, in, verse, in chapter 7, to his burial, and made great lamentation uh, over him. Um, these people might not even have been part of the church because, of course, most of them fled. So... It's possible that these people were just, you know, um, others. And, uh, and as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and uh, hailing men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Um, now, I'd like to tell you just a little bit about my own experience this year. We came out for leadership camp, which was back in March, and, um, well, through circumstances, we're still here. So, like, one thing led to another, led to another. And, um, you know, we're still in Australia. We haven't gone back to Hungary, um, where, where I'm the pastor in the fellowship over there. And um, we ended up in a little holiday house, uh, which my parents owned down, down on the south coast of New South Wales in a place called Sanctuary Point. Um, 
just when you know COVID hit and um, and everything was sort of shut down here in Australia, um, and we found ourselves in this. I mean, I'm from Australia originally, but you know, still the surroundings was unfamiliar. I got my parents in Sydney, and um, you know, they're in the Lord and 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 all that. But we sort of had this wondering, maybe what they had as well, like, well, what's next, or what am I doing here? Um, you know, what's going to be the next thing to come now? Um, feeling a bit out of place, feeling a bit, you know, um, maybe like these people felt here, our brothers and sisters here. And we were just going on a walk with my wife and um, this place called Sanctuary Point, it's a sort of like, it's a bit like here. The people have holiday homes there from Sydney and during, when it's not holidays, it's a bit, feels a bit empty, especially when COVID hit, it even felt more emptier, like there's not many people around. So, um, we're just going for a walk. We're coming back from a walk with my wife and um, we're walking past this gentleman's place and there's a kangaroo uh, at the back of his place. He's giving him some food and there's, not, there's a lot of kangaroos around Sanctuary Point. Maybe that's where got its name from, Sanctuary Point for the kangaroos. Um, turned out to be Sanctuary Point for us. Um, and I'm on my telephone talking to somebody and Monica says, hello. The gentleman says, hello. And the next two things comes out of her mouth, which I found really strange. She said, well, he said, who are you? And she said, oh, we're from Hungary, and my, past, my husband's the pastor of the Fellowship Christian Church over there, and we speak in tongues. <laughs> and I thought, that is really, it's unusual. Like, it's not usual that we'd meet somebody and my wife would say, you know, things in, these, in this order. And I'm on the phone thinking, okay, and um, the man's face, well, it nearly dropped. His jaw dropped, I think, to the ground. And um, we found out later that because of COVID hitting, he went to a church 40 years ago when he was a kid. Um, and because of COVID coming, he decided he'd need to read his Bible again. And he spent the last four days at his holiday house reading his Bible and he kept coming across this thing called speaking in tongues. And he, keeps, and he explained to us afterwards, he said, I kept coming across this thing called speaking in tongues and I'm always asking, what is this speaking in tongues? And out of nowhere and nothing to do with us, um, we're just stopping watching a kangaroo getting fed, basically. Um, we met him. Uh, these words came out of Monica's mouth, obviously inspired by the Holy Ghost. And we made an appointment to go around and visit him the next day. I uh, put my hand on him, we prayed, and, you know, the next second, he was just burst out in tongues, like it had been dwelling up for the last 40 years. It just sort of all just overflowed and came out. And when we were not wondering about our... We were wondering about our... Oh, anyway, I was wondering about our situation about being here, about being at Sanctuary Point. Um, but to have this happen was just like the Lord, you know, the Lord was confirming to us, I suppose what we're reading here, it doesn't matter what we changes around about us. It doesn't matter um, what circumstances you find yourself in. What really matters is what we read in the, in the last part of verse 4 where it says they went everywhere preaching the word. And that's what really matters.
And all the people said, Amen. And I'm not even too sure from, from looking at this passage of Scripture, I'm not even too sure if it was a conscious thing that they did. I'm not too sure. I don't know, of course. None of us knows. But I'm not too sure when they went to wherever they went, they're thinking, all right, I'm going to go to this town now and I'm going to make sure that I preach the gospel. It just sort of seemed to flow from, you know, what I could imagine anyway. It just sort of flowed from them because that's what they were doing anyway. So I suppose the reason why I'm, I'm sort of, I thought I've been thinking about this is because we don't know what's coming and we don't know if there'll be any time in the future where we even have less contact with each other. We don't know, you know, you read the scriptures about the end times and, and I can sort of imagine that maybe we won't even have things like Zoom in those days. You know, maybe the internet won't be working. Um, and some of the things that we can do now, which we've been very um, lucky, I suppose, to have, maybe when it does really go down and, it, and the Lord is returning, Maybe we're not going to have those, even those things that we've, you know, been using. But the Church of God, which, praise the Lord, the Revival Fellowship is a part of, and all the people said. Amen. The Church of God, it, it cannot be restricted. You know, there is no um, way possible to have whatever happens to, to, you know, what we know and our fellowship and, and the structure we've got around about us, which, of course, many throughout the years have worked very hard to give to us, um, the Church of God is going to be in a safe place. It's never going to disappear, no matter what happens. And as long as we're a people, as long as we're, we're these people, as long as we're continuing on with, with these people, with our brothers and sisters here that we're reading about, and whatever happens to us, we just go and preach the gospel. The work is always going to grow. The church is always going to be, you know, be, be getting or be strengthened. And I like to think of it in this way because I don't like to think about the future in any way which would make us fearful. I mean, maybe for me, maybe I'll just explain another little thing or give you another short testimony. Um, if we read on, you read on in verse 5 here, and Philip went down to Samaria. Now, he was hired to do a bit of kitchen work, I suppose. And now because everything had changed, um, he's actually baptising people. And I sort of wonder if, if you know, if, if they didn't have to go and he lost every, or the structure around about him which was there... I wonder if he'd ever done this, or I wonder if he'd ever actually have done this at such uh, so so soon in his in his walk in the Lord. People had to step up; they had to do things that they weren't used to doing before. Now, I went to Hungary in 1991, February the fifth. There's not too many dates I can remember. That date I remember. I remember sitting on the aeroplane. Um, I'd been in the Lord for two years. And uh, on my own in the aeroplane, well, well there's other, you know, there was others there, but I didn't have any family there. Um, and thinking, right, this is it. I'm going to Hungary. And um, the first nine months I was in Hungary, I didn't, I didn't see another brother or sister. Um, I didn't have any fellowship. I was the only one in the country, um, at least from our fellowship. And I didn't know any of the other people who were baptized or were spirit-filled there. So um, I remember my sister from Sydney, uh, that's where I was in the Lord, she used to send me these cassettes, um, you know, with talks on them. 
and uh, they used to have this machine at the back there, and you could put eight cassettes in it, and you could make eight recordings of the talk at the same time. That was real technology uh, in those days. And um, I would get this little package in the mail with about ten cassettes. And um, you know, I'd, I'd go into my little room, which I had, and I'd listen to them all. Uh, quite funny, because I was living with a cousin, and he said, he actually asked me, she asked me, the wife actually asked me uh, after a little time, she says, what's in the packages? Right? Because you're all sad and you're all sort of moping around the place. You get this little package from Australia, you disappear into the room for hours and you come out all happy. <laughs> right? And um, of course then I made contact with, um, with the, the assemblies in, in the UK and actually ended up going to a camp there and then I went to a camp in Holland. And, um, but the thing is that I wanted to talk about is that actually in 1991, I prayed with three people to receive the Holy Spirit. I might have prayed with more, but three people received the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm the age of 18, you know, you've got to consider. And not like Philip here, who went and baptised people and they weren't getting spirit-filled. It was the opposite. I prayed with people, they got spirit-filled, and now they wanted to be baptised. So I rang a pastor in Australia. I can't remember who it was, uh, the pastor who I rang, if it was in Sydney or here in Adelaide. And I said, look, um, I've got three, I've got people here in Hungary and they want to be baptised. I think one was already baptised, so it was just two of them. And so what should I do? And you know, the greatest amount of wisdom came back uh, from the telephone, from the other in the telephone. It was, the words were, well, baptise them. <laughs> All right? And um, I thought, well, I thought maybe somebody from Australia would come to do that. <laughs> Obviously not. Um, and when you read about Philip here and how he found himself in a situation and doing things that he wouldn't be normally doing, um, I can sort of relate to that about, you know, how I got to Hungary. And what I'm trying to say with all this is that Brothers and sisters, no matter what we're going to or what we're going to see coming, you know, you'll be you'd be ready for things like this to happen. You know, every one of us, I suppose we could say quite bluntly, has the authority from God to do everything. I don't know why Philip didn't pray for these people to receive the Holy Spirit. I don't know if he just sort of, you know. Um, wasn't familiar with that yet, so the apostles had to go down from Jerusalem. They would have been excited too. But if you find yourself in a foreign setting, in, in other circumstances you're not used to, and you're preaching the gospel to those around you, you'll probably find that you'll be doing things like, like this that you maybe weren't thinking about before. You know, how many... I, I, I can tell you quite honestly, and I'm sure maybe a lot of the other pastors can do that as well. It was such a thrill the first time I baptised somebody. It was a real thrill. I was jumping out of my skin. I was probably more happier than the person getting baptised, you know, but of course it wasn't about me, but still I just, you know, I'm actually doing this. I'm baptising somebody, you know, and it was just a, um, and, and of course it's, there's been, of course, a lot more through that. So anyway, we better get on a little bit. Um, why don't we skip to Philippians chapter, uh, chapter 1. 
just two more scriptures, and then we'll we'll, we'll, um, we'll stop with the talk, and then I'm sure there's going to be going to be some supper. I think <clears throat> maybe one of the things I'm trying to get across tonight is that you've seen the world go into a survival mode during this time, and um, when you're in a survival mode, you're trying to protect what you have until now. You don't lose what you've got until that point. And countries are doing it, and um, you know um, you can understand the reasons why. But we don't have to go into a survival mode in that sense. You know, when they were, they had to flee Jerusalem. They might have thought this way as well. Oh, you know, maybe I should just be careful a little bit here now, or maybe I should watch out a little bit. You know, and they didn't really seem to take on that attitude or, or that, that that approach. And it's a very human thing to do. Like the most human thing to do would to, would to do that. We've just got to protect what we've got until now. We've got to survive this. And they, by the will of God and by his power, you know, they turned, instead of going into a mode which they thinking they should be just surviving what's coming, they actually turned it into a revival. I mean, how do you do that? I mean, only God can do that. It's, the, it's only by the power of the Lord. And I'm thinking that, if we are more restricted or, or if we lose even more of our security, because that causes anxiety, it's new for us, then if we do things the same way or if we approach things the same way, it could even create a, a revival for our, uh, uh, you know, for our fellowship, for the Lord. Seeing people going out, maybe having to do things that they you know, watched others do for a while and now they're put there because, you know, everything has changed. I'm sure a lot of the men here would just love to go and have the experience of baptising somebody. And, um, you know, uh, those types of things, when things get mixed up and we're not able to meet together, if it's like that, you know, it would be something you could be doing as well. And, of course, you could go out and... um, of course, uh, experience it other ways. But what I'm just trying to put across is that I wouldn't like our church just to bunker down and, and uh, just try and survive, you know. And, and I, I, when I hear things from the fellowship around the place, I praise the Lord because I can see that, I can see that it, is, it does happen. That people are, you know, more people maybe even getting baptised in spirit food sometimes in this time um, than when, before COVID. There's some assemblies... Um, the one in Liverpool is actually baptised more people since COVID you know, during that time than they had before. So praise the Lord for that. I want to finish up. Let's go to um, here in First Philippians. I'll just, I'm just going to read one scripture here. And um, it's verse 12. It says, But I would you should understand, brethren. I'm not reading in this context now, but I just want to pick on this one scripture. That the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furthering of the gospel and that's something I think we can always lean back on no matter what happens to us no matter what happens to you know the things that we've come accustomed to having around us no matter what the world does or what will be the next thing can you remember I just want to make a little test for you the biggest threat, well, no, let me put it this way. On January the 3rd, 
this year, it looked like there was going to be a war on January the 3rd this year. Can anybody remember that? I'll put my glasses back on, otherwise I won't see anybody. Can anybody remember why? We're just talking January the 3rd this year. Anybody remember why it looked like there might be a war on? Yep. An Iranian general was killed by the Americans in Baghdad. Now that was only January the 3rd this year, right? How far back of that is in our memory now? Because <laughs> so much else has happened since then. I just happened, because I had to fly to Hong Kong in the beginning of January, yes, um, during COVID, <laughs> we didn't know it was on then. And I remember flying over Baghdad a few days later in the commercial aeroplane and uh, looking down and thinking that's so so much has happened since then that's so much out of our minds now maybe I've, the reason why i've come to mention that is because in three days time there'll be the one year anniversary and the iranians might be planning something we just had two american um, bombers flying through the gulf just to show the iranians that america can strike back if they're thinking of anything so we're thinking, okay, COVID, we might have it covered. We might have it now down, we'll get a vaccine, we'll go back to normal. A year ago, we had no idea what COVID was. And a year from now, we'll probably be standing here thinking, oh, can anybody remember what COVID was? <laughs> Who knows? We're not all doom and gloom, but what I'm just wanting to say, whatever happens for the furthering of the gospel, what happens to you and me, the furthering of the gospel, good or bad, what happens to our church, furthering of the gospel. The world can't win for us. Matthew chapter 1, my final thought. Yeah, maybe I'd just also like to say um, a very... Warm heart of thank you to everybody. Monica and I and Benny have been made to feel very welcome um, here um, in Adelaide and at the camp. Uh, I also have to say that the, uh, the people in Sydney, the fellowship there, have also made us feel very welcome. And even the, um, the, the five, six, seven saints we have down in a little place called Shoalhaven on the south coast of New South Wales where we get most of our meetings, they've also made us feel very welcome. And um, it does make a big difference uh, to be able to have that blessing when we're feeling a bit um, not in our usual uh, set of surroundings, in our usual surroundings. Okay, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Um, I'll just, this is talking about the birth of Jesus. We'll just go down to verse 23. Okay. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is uh, being interpreted God with us. Um, one thing I'd like you to take away, maybe the last thought of this talk, is that no matter where you find yourself in the coming year, and no matter what circumstances you find yourself in, God, through sending his son, wanted to make us all know that he is with us. So wherever we go, we're taking that with us. And maybe 
we might be in a place where only we are the church. There's no others. But God is with us, whatever our circumstances are. That prophecy has been fulfilled in our lives. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.